0: While doing research for this episode, I realized that a lot of humanity, myself included, do not know enough about polio. In this episode of the Unseen Life Experience podcast, we're going to demystify the disease. We have the great honor of interviewing a remarkable individual, Sauda Bashir, who is a polio survivor. In this episode, we will also look at inclusivity initiatives in the workplace. Let's get to it. Hi, Sauda. Hi. Welcome. You? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I know Sauda from university. Uh, we were in the same cl- uh, course, actually, yes. and you were about one or two years ahead of me, right? Yes. Right. Yes. So could you please um, introduce yourself?
1: Yes. So I'm Sauda Bashir. Um, I am a customer care service. I'm in customer care service. I'm also a farmer and a polio, I think survivor is the word?
0: Yes. Is that what you would how you would term it? I polio I'm survivor. Not sure. Okay,
1: okay. <laughs> I think because I never really say much about yeah. it. Yeah. Probably. So yeah, it's just when people ask me what happened, I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah.
0: Let's actually talk about that because yeah. um I remember seeing you in school, but I never asked you. To your face, what happened? Yes. Um, and I think that's what it always is. It's it's like you look, you s- you stare. Some stare. people stare, and then you try and find out what happened. Yes. Um, so if you were ma- if we were making friends for the first time, mm-hmm. would you want me to ask?
1: I would love someone to ask. Mm-hmm. I think it just it's a deal. Uh, yeah. Um, It breaks the ice Mm -hmm. so that, because I can see it, I can tell that you want to find out what it is. Mm -hmm. And also most people's assumption is it was an accident. Okay. Yeah. So the minute I say polio, they're like, huh?
0: Mm -hmm. Polio still exists. I
1: was like, yeah, it does. So, But for me, but also again, I came to realize different disability, different people, Mm some wouldn't want. Yeah. But personally, I'm a very open, free person yeah so I would prefer if someone just
0: asked me okay yeah so because this we are currently shooting the video for this episode but the mm-hmm. are people who are listening to the audio version so could you describe um how you look mm-hmm. or yeah? yeah I'm beautiful <laughs> <laughs> very <laughs>
1: <laughs> um so I'll say my disability mm-hmm. the polio polio affects muscles mm-hmm. so it's affected from my hip downwards so what that means is I can't move my legs by myself the way you would stretch or, you know, fold it. I can't be able to do that. But my upper body, I'm good.
0: Okay. Yes. So you currently have a brace on your leg?
1: Yes, I have full brace on both legs mm-hmm. Uh from my, is it hip? Mm-hmm. Is it the hip upper thigh all the way down? And also my shoe is connected to the brace.
0: Okay. Yes. Um. So this... Of course, you have to put them on every single day. Every single day, single day yeah. yes. Even if you're in the house, would you still... No, Okay. Now I
1: have a wheelchair in the house because okay. it allows me to move around because now wearing the braces means I need to use two crutches. So carrying things or just doing my own things will be pretty impossible if I was to to not have a wheelchair in the house. But the funny thing is... Growing up, I actually used to not use a wheelchair in the house. Mm-hmm. Yes, my mom would make me do things <laughs> with my crutches, so, yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Could you tell us now a bit about your story um, from where you were born, when you contracted polio? Yeah,
1: so I was born in Wajia, and for people who are not Kenyan, that will be the northern part of uh, Kenya, desert all the way. Most of the people, there are nomads. My parents are nomads up to today. Like they move around with their camels and their goods. So we are fam- uh, kids we from the same mom, same dad. We are 12, um, I think the ninth there, I was the only one with disability. So I got my, p- I got polio when I was about, I think three years. They're not very sure because also age and numbers for nomads, most of them are not educated, so it will be hard to tell the exact time. But it was about three years, because I was already walking, So I'm guessing by three years, it should be. So one of my brothers says, he used to go to school, so he says, like, up to today, we are favorites. <laughs> I know you shouldn't say about <laughs> siblings, <laughs> but it's my favorite. So he said one time... Like, I always, when he's going to school, I would follow him until to a certain point. And then when he's coming back from school, I'll still wait for him, you know. So, one time he's coming from school and he's not seeing me and anything. So, that's when he found out that I was really sick. I had a very high fever. And by the time they were taking me to hospital, uh, it was too late. So, which means I never got the vaccine. Okay. The polio vaccine. Mm -hmm. Yes. So... I can't remember this other part because I was pretty young, but I know the next part where I remember is being in Wajia town in a rehabilitation center with other about, uh, because I end up being adopted, which you can discuss afterwards. And uh, we were about kids. We were like 150 kids with all types of, Disability. So that's the part now I remember. I don't remember getting sick. I don't remember all that other part as a kid. I don't remember at all. Yes.
0: And at what age were you adopted? I was adopted. I was around, I think, six, seven. Uh, and were you adopted along with your other siblings?
1: No. Okay. I was so now we're in, I'm, I'm in a rehabilitation center with other kids. So now my adopted mom came in to, came to Wajia, to that rehabilitation center and uh, CBM, Christopher Blind Mission. And so she used to, like, she was a physiotherapist and a teacher for the blind. So she would just be there with us and stuff like that. So when she was moving now from Wajia, she decided to adopt three kids, all with disability. We are also Mali's all from Wajia, but totally different uh, families. Wow. Yeah.
0: Um, and she was a teacher for the blind. So you grew up amongst other disabled and blind people, children?
1: Yes, but not at home. Yeah. Though, when we moved from Wajia, I don't know if they were friends or someone, she used, they used to be in the same organization. She adopted a kid who was blind, a boy.
0: Okay.
1: So f- when we moved now from Wajia to Meru, we all lived... Uh, together but he was he was slightly older than us so I remember him but then uh, he was he was slightly older because they didn't stay with us for too long but then because my mom also like I said she was a teacher for the blind like St Lucy school from for the blind there were so many homes that they built uh, while she was in Meru so every weekend when we are not in school we'll go with her so we just spend time with other kids. Uh, with disability.
0: And did you go to a special school for primary and secondary? No, not my mother. Oh,
1: (laughs) my mother would not allow such. So I went to regular school with every other kid. Yeah, I did. And what was that experience like? I keep saying this. I'm a very, very big believer in integration. I don't believe kids with disability, unless you have special, you know, the severe type of disability, that you should go to to a special school. Though I have only one, one, one thing that I would uh, say I would prefer having had gone to a school f- um, with other kids with disability, and the only reason I would say that it will nurture sports. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I would prefer to go to a regular school. I think it's better to go to a regular school.
0: When you say natural sports, do you feel that you missed out on certain experiences as a child? Yes. I honestly believe, I think I would have been a sports person.
1: (laughs) Really? Like what sport (laughs) would you have? Swimming, definitely. Yeah. So Uh, I love swimming. I grew up swimming. And um, I got into the Paralympic team when I finished uh, uni. What? Yeah, Yeah. but (sighs) there was so much going on, so I never ended up like participating really but then it was something I was like if I had done this before I would have been far
0: that's that's really cool (laughs) yeah yeah. all right so then we met um, we were studying communication what did you dream of becoming during that time so (laughs) growing up like every other kid I
1: wanted to be a doctor but my reason was not for saving uh, saving people healing people, no, it was because of a boy, (laughs) so (laughs) he was older, he was my mom's friend, his mom was my mom's friend, he was older, so every summer they would come over, so he was like, oh, he's going to become a doctor, so if you ask me, me, I was like, me, I'm going to become a doctor, you know, so that me and him, you know, we'll become doctors, we'll get married, blah, 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 so that was the reason, it had nothing to do With saving the world, but then it's also funny that I think because I put it in my head, I knew like even with my dolls and stuff like that that I was always operating something. I was always, you know, doing things, but then I never, I never thought of it as you know a grown up. I think I was just a kid thinking. And I think because I never really thought also about my disability, I I, n- I never put the two together like it could be impossible or not, you get. So that's what I always knew, even going to high school. But then it's funny, my bro used to joke a lot. Then it's like, now you, you're going to become a doctor. By the time you're getting to the patient, the patient will be dead. <laughs> so my mom would get so mad. She's like, stop saying that. So... I grew up knowing I'm going to become a doctor. I'm going to. But then in high school, um, my headmistress, and that's the other thing. Like, if you're going to go to. I survived in regular school because of how the school was run. The headmistresses allowed me to be. Who I am, and always made sure that I am safe. I am okay. I am good. You get. They always gave me a sort of leeway. I would get punished, but then I'll sort of also get leeways here and there. So my headmistress, every time, will tell me, One day I'm going to see you on my TV screen reading the news. So that's what she'd always say. Because even in primary, like I was that kid who always wanted to read, I was always the one who the teacher asks a question, I'm not shy to to respond. Even in uni, I was always the one who was doing the presentations. Like, who is going to do the presentation? I'm the one doing the group work who does the presentation. So I always knew. That's the first time now I really thought about career, like, in real, real sense. Though my mom wanted me to be a lawyer, because she used to say I used to... I always had an answer for something. Like, I was always fighting something, you know. But then I asked, I was like, so being... How long does it take being, you know, a lawyer, told seven years? I was like, (laughs) I'll be old by then, you know. So at that point is when I was like, okay, I'm going to become a news anchor. Like, I want to get into the media world. So when I finished high school, in Form 4, my mom passes, actually, my adopted mom. When I was just about to sit for the exams, that's when now uh, she passed. And it was so weird because I never worried about anything. I just lived a normal life. Despite my disability or anything, I can't say I was not a regular kid. There's nothing my mom didn't allow us to do. Like we played sports, we played hide and seek, we did everything but then as a person with disability you just learn to be tactical it's not about speed like has nothing to do with speed my mom would make me like if I fell my mom would allow people to pick me up she'll just stand there like people come pick me up dust me off then she's like are you okay I'm just like yes she's like okay she picks me up puts me back down she's like now get up that's how my, my mom was like you're going to learn the hard way oh. like you have to be independent And I feel like, it's like God was, my mom was so tough on me, and I feel like God was just preparing me for the real world. Because, you know, when you're a kid, you're always protected, you're always, because you're picked, you're dropped. You want this, you have a house help, you have a shamba, anything you want is just there with you, you get. But in the real world, nobody, nobody really cares, you get. And I learned a statement that says, "As a person with disability, it's you who adapts to the world. The world will never adapt. Stairs will be there. <laughs> no, you, there's nothing you can do about it. Of course, the government can do something about it. Of course, the architects can do something about it. But do they really? It doesn't affect them until it affects them, you get. So I had to learn to be completely completely independent. That's why with the uni, there were stairs everywhere and it never stopped me from going to class or to the studio or, yeah.
0: Okay. Wow. Um, So then, while you were doing mass communication, you wanted to become a news anchor?
1: Yes. But I realized I wanted radio Mm -hmm. more than, everybody kept pushing me towards TV. But I realized I prefer being on radio because I find radio more free Probably of what to speak about, and also it's mysterious in its own way. Like unless people know who you are, they don't see you at all. And every time I would say that, people is like, we "Never thought of you having low self-esteem because I say I don't want to be seen." You get so people assume I want I have low self-esteem. It's privacy. I, it's just privacy. And it comes down to the fact, like, everywhere I go, everybody stares at me. So, for once, can I just be where nobody notices my disability at all? Like, it has nothing to do with my disability. So, radio is what I really, really
0: wanted. And then what experience did you end up having after? (sighs) Let me tell you. (laughs) I never got to any of them Mm -hmm. at all.
1: And this is... Two things I always say. Number one, I wish I had someone with disability. I knew someone with disability, probably in the media world, who would have like sort of guided me. Because I feel like I, I didn't know anyone with disability, so I didn't push hard enough. I can't even say it's the media world that didn't allow me or didn't accept me or anything, but I didn't push hard enough because I was so scared of being rejected. As like, everywhere I go, people judge me because of my disability. So I'm like, am I brave enough? Yeah. And the media world is not easy. Like, anytime anyone would come from internship, guys will tell you, my God, yeah. people are evil. People are this. People are this. So I'm thinking, me as a disabled person, will I really manage to do that? So I was, m- I was trying to get into internship um, KTN. But then I now got another internship at uh, LBCT, the Liverpool um, VCT, which deals with HIV. And uh, they have different, I didn't know, like, they have different departments. So I went and did my internship there. And I don't know, it, it was just a change. Like, I was like, oh, I don't really need to be in the, straight in the media world I can be doing these other things. So I ended up doing, learning a lot about HIV and all that. I worked with those, even had a disability department. But then I've never really wanted to always be, everything's about disability. Like, because I'm disabled, I should work in a disability department. So I think because I grew around people, I've always wanted to just be me. So I went to LVCt. I did that for a year, actually, they, they my, what is it called? I said the internship was for three months, but then they kept me for a year, and then after that, I graduated in 20, was it 12, I think, and then I went, I became a PA for my MP from Wajia, and, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I felt like I wasn't doing anything. And I was like, I, I feel like I've, I just felt like I was wasting a lot of time. I'm not learning anything. or Because also, apparently, the plan was to get me into politics so I can be a disability representative in my community. But now, in my mind, I'm like, hey. <laughs> Again, I think it's doubt. I, I, I really don't know. But then... And my man was like, politics? Me, I'm not cut for politics. Like, politics is a hard... Like, I, f- I feel like it really changes who you are as a person. Number two, I was like, I don't even speak Somali. So how do I get into that? And then I'm so different. I don't wear bui-bui. I don't wear... I don't know if it was all excuses. I don't know. But then I was like, I, I don't know if I can survive in that place. So the plan was for me to stay there until I get myself, like, I'm helped getting now into politics. But, like, for how long do I wait? Because I'm one person, like, I hate uncertainty. I just sit and wait. I don't know how to do that. Like, I always have to be doing something for myself. If you catch up, fine. But I'm not going to sit and just wait. So, LVCT again uh, called me and I went and ended up being their communication assistant. But then it's an NGO, so it's a contract kind of thingy. And the problem of contracts, you can't really plan your life because you never know when, you know, things will end and not. And um, it's so interesting because I used to wake up very early in the morning, get on a matatu, w- like I used to walk. <laughs> I used to walk every day back and forth, like I used to do a lot of walking. Safari comma spoilt me. So... Um, so I stayed there for, I think, a year and a half or so. And then I got called by Safaricom. Um, I was like, I remember I was just at home. I got a call. is like, oh, this is Safaricom. And we're speaking to Saudi. I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, we want you to come for an interview. I was like, huh? <laughs> like, w- what are we? Because I'd never applied. Wow. I'd never applied. But the thing is, when I used to go swimming, um, there was an NGO that used to... Um, How do I put it? One of the things they used to do was sports. So during, on on Saturdays at Nyayo Stadium, they'll come with kids with disability, they'll be trained how to swim, they'll be taught how to swim. But then me, I used to be, like, I I was okay. So I used to just hang out, you know, with them. And um, one of the ladies who used to be there is like, are you working? So I remember just telling us like, yeah, me, I'm working. It's like, okay, give us your CV in case anything happens. I was like, Oh, okay. So I gave out my CV and I totally forgot about it. Actually, I came to learn later, years later about it. So when I was called for the interview, we, I went through and at the back of my mind, I was like, because she asked me, like, so would you want to do this? We want you to come for the second interview. I'm like, ah, okay. So she's like, you don't sound, I'm like, "Me, I don't even know. Like I'm already working, so I don't even know. Like, but then I was like, it, it won't hurt, mm-hmm. right? So, I just went for interview. Whatever happened, I, I ended up becoming a customer care. And that is where I am now.
0: Amazing. Yeah. And I saw you a few years back <laughs> on, a rec- on a certain <laughs> advert. Please tell us more about that. Yeah. Um,
1: so, one of the things I've always, um, you know, when you watch TV, when you watch films, when you watch. You always want to see people like you somewhere at some point. And every time I'd look at adverts, I'm like, are you telling me a person with disability can't do this? Like, is this the standard of what beauty should be? You get. So when I joined Safaricom, I remember like three months later, they were having, they always do, they always doing some photo shoot something for whatever. And I was called. I was like, oh, this sounds like fun. So that's how it just started. So every time Safaricom needs to do something, I would, I would be called. And there are very many people with disability at uh, Safaricom. So one time, I remember just talking to the marketing. I was like, why don't you guys ever have a person with disability? Like, I really, I don't get it. <laughs> you get. So it was just a passing conversation. So, one time, I remember I was at the gym, you know, the way you put your things in the locker, then once you're done. So, I checked my phone, I was like, oh, missed calls. So, one of them, true caller shows Ajuma. I was like, Ajuma? Like, wh- why would Ajuma, like, at any point call me? <laughs> you get, yeah. like, I trying to put the two together, I'm like, I, I don't get it. So, anyway, so I called back, she's like, your son, I like, yeah, I got your missed call then she just asked me one question, which left me even more confused. She's like, do you have a kid? I was like, no, are you married? No. Okay, and hung up. So I'm sitting in the bathroom. <laughs> I'm like, that's weird. Like, what was that? And then, also, I don't know who to ask. I have no idea what's going on. So me, I just got dressed and I got, just continued. I think three days later, I was at home, and I'm being called. It's like, where are you? I'm like, I'm at home. Then they're like, we are waiting for you for the shoot. I'm like, what shoot? It's like, there's the shoot for the advert. What? I'm like, me, well, I'm at home because I used to work at night, the night shift. They're like, okay, please prepare, get ready. We'll get you a cab. Just come to work, whatever. Even on that shoot by them, the one who dressed myself, everything. Like I did even makeup, everything. I just did whatever. So we went did the shoot, and this is the other thing. I wish I'd asked questions. Like, I didn't know how big it was. Cause I remember we did that first shoot at the office. Then I think two days later I was called again at another place, and then we traveled all the way. There's one where um, Elud Kipchoge does. We went. We were shooting at the same place with him. I wow. and I still it didn't still register. <laughs> Like, how big the advert was going to be. That was the thing. I wish I'd asked more questions, though, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) money-wise, because of that. But anyway, I didn't know how big it was. And that was it. Like, I didn't think too much. Like, I think because I'd been doing little things at the office, I didn't think this is going to be out there. Like, it's a big thing. So I remember it was done. Went back to work. I remember I was on leave. I'd gone to visit my sister. And so I'm just, you know, the way you're just getting notifications, notifications. I'm like, why is my phone so busy, you know, today? So that's when I'm seeing it's a whole billboard. I was like, it's a billboard. Then I realized also it's a video, like news, time, prime, whatever. I was like, oh, my God. This is bigger than I really thought about. And for once, I was like, it's good to see someone with disability exactly out there and that's when now it pushed me to really think about um getting people with disability onto adverts so um i went for a conference was it a conference i can't even remember but with the un women un women so you know you meet other people with disability and other people who have uh, interests in the uh, with disability, and I met a young lady who was there, and she's like, "Sauda, me and you need to do something." I was like, "What do you want us to do?" You know, she's like. And I think because as one of the speakers, I think she just picked what I I would, uh, what I'm interested in, and that was one of the things, like, just seeing people with disability on adverts, people with disability in movies, films, you know. So she's like, we need to start something that would get people with disability, you know, on adverts and stuff like that. So we started what was called uh, Rare Beauty, and... I remember when, like, even in fashion fashion show, like, the f- it was so hard, let me tell you, <laughs> trying to convince people why you need people with disability is, is such a hard, it's so hard, I, I don't get it. I really, I really do not get it. And I came to just realize because it doesn't affect them in any way, and also because I mean, it's life, what am I getting from this at the end of it? It's very hard to convince people, like, why we need to see models on the runway. There should be people with disability as well. You know, the Western world is already doing it. So I remember I got a hookup with some guys called J W. And so we were like, okay, yeah, we, so he was really excited about, but at the beginning he was like, so what if you just, if someone falls on the stages, like they'll just get up. So what if, like he had so many questions, which I understand was concern. And um, so we got into, we were like, he was like, please, I would like to, a couple of your models to come. And I was like, fine. But now the problem came in because the other models were being paid, our models were not being paid. But then I was like, it's okay only because we came in late, you get. But then it was very interesting how a lot of things were being dismissed, you get. We're like, we need to come and practice. They need to come and practice. No, 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 it's okay, they'll be fine, they'll be fine. I am like, I need to see how, it's like, so what do you need, we're like, we we will need a ramp because there's someone in a wheelchair. They're like, ah, that's okay. I'm like, I need to come and see. (laughs) But nobody was taking, nobody takes it serious. You get. I remember every time guys are like, oh, yes, there'll be a ramp. I'm like, is, it, is the ramp going to work? They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you get, and the ramp is this steep. And they're like, um, that's why I asked if I could come and show you how to, to place this uh, ramp. Because now I can't even use it. You get. So it's getting that, getting sponsors, getting all that. And it came like we had just started in 2019, 2020 runner now comes. So it's where you're like, okay, the world needs to first stop. And then my partner left the country and I was like, oh, okay, probably I should just, you know. So I haven't followed up with that. I have tried since then, though, to get into advertising. I got into one. But it's it's where also... Disability is very diverse, and if you're in crutches, you're not really disabled. Disability is a wheelchair, like you have to be in a
0: wheelchair. I think there's a a percentage of disability. So I think in this case you're saying that
1: you feel that... Yes, I do not get opportunities Mm -hmm. because I'm not in a wheelchair. I'm not disabled enough. In that sense, mm. so even in the advertising world, when they show like you know the 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 casting agents, like they will tell me, "Oh, Sada, you are the top. You you here, nini, nini. ni." But I'll never be picked because mm. to them I am not disabled, disabled enough. enough. Yes, wow. like disability is wheelchair disability is looking. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that that is. I do not. This is not disability. Mm-hmm. What I portray is at all mm-hmm. no disability. And you know, it's that thing you know. Mm-hmm. But the minute someone comes and tells you, Sauda, this is the problem, like in a boardroom, this is the conversation that is happening in a boardroom, you just know this is a losing, is a losing battle, you get. So I remember the day I was told that I just I was like, that can't be. So now you're like, so do I s- be sitting in a wheelchair? If I need, I need, I want to be in an advert. There's a, you know, the have is like, who would want to be in this advert? I'm like, should I take photos <laughs> in a wheelchair? Like, is that what you're telling me? You get. So the end of it is like, but I'm disabled, but you're telling me that's not what you're looking for.
0: Like, I have to be in a wheelchair. You're like, Okay. Yeah, and let's talk about Safaricom a bit because you mentioned that there are a lot of people with disabilities. Yes. Um, are you able to give like a rough percentage of what? Oh God, mm-hmm. we are about, I think like eighty people. Eighty. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and how. Has Safaricom um, adapted to this? Um, what are some of the inclusivity initiatives that you'd say you've felt strongly about in Safaricom, that yeah. they've actually done something compared to all the other places that you've been?
1: One of them will be the sort of recruitment where they give... Um this is the thing. As a person with disability, most people, even with their families, are not that educated. It's like let the other kids first study and then you. So with Safaricom is where we have a D&I department, diversity and inclusion, and it's everything, but also it's where if you know someone with disability, you share their CV, so their recruitment is a bit different. You get So you're also given an equal opportunity to get a job you get. It's where also if you want to grow in the, dip, uh, in the company, it's where it shows that this person is disabled. So it means every time there's an interview, there has to be people with disability. You're encouraged to, to apply. That is one. Number two, I think that like this, the, if, if Safaricom didn't do this, which is transport, where you get a cab free of charge, you're not charged, nothing, you're picked from your door back home to the office and office back home. Because where I work is on Mombasa Road, I would not have worked for Safaricom because I would not have been able... Because that was the other reason why I didn't push to get into KTN because KTN is on Mombasa Road. And getting to Mombasa Road wasn't the issue. It's getting home. That means I have to cross that road, that road you get I was like, uh, no, I really don't want to to get into that. Safaricom so ensures that like you get your transport. Safaricom has ramps everywhere. We have, um, depending on your disability, you'll be assisted. There's a lady who is a double amputee, like um, her legs, and there's something wrong with, no, her arms, sorry, not her legs, her arms. So her desk had to be made that it's low because she uses her legs to to like type and stuff like that. She even got a personal assistant, which is paid by Safaricom. So, the person will pick her up. She'll be picked from home. They'll come together. They will be together if she needs to go to the bathroom, if she needs to eat, whatever it is. Safaricom caters for that. So, everything
0: is just there, like... That is extremely commendable. Let like, me
1: tell you, the gym. Yeah. I remember we were just two of us used to go to the gym, and I would just go like because now there's no wheelchair, there's no nothing. So once I remove, sorry, once I remove my braces, that means I have to crawl. So I just crawl to the bathroom. So there's no stool, no nothing to sit. You get, and i are like, "Are you okay?" I'm just like, yeah, I'm easy," because again, you're not thinking like you know. You could just ask your employer. To get you something you know and i think one of the managers because a lot of guys used to go to the gym they went and reported it or something but then also in my mind i am like i'm not going to stop going to the gym because this is not working for me you get so one time i was just called and was like okay we need a sit down you and my other friend the late she's called uh, stacy the late stacy so we sat down they're like what do you need this this the gym was shut down (laughs) For it to be renovated. What? Yes. Like all the gyms that Safaricom has, stop, renovate. So we got our own. So they reduced the number of the bathrooms. And uh, they gave us now our own, which has our own seat, the shower. So there's the shower. And you know that there's I um, I don't know how to call it. Instead of a stool, because we I, I need to sit on a stool. So there's this thing that is adjusted to the wall. So it becomes a seat and you can just... Yeah. So you just take your time, shower, do your thing in that
0: bathroom. It's all yours. Privacy, everything. That is amazing. <laughs> wow. I hope yeah. other HR professionals are taking notes. I imagine. <laughs> um and you're actually the first guest who has um, from this podcast who has had a disability for the longest time. Yes. I think most people um it was because of an accident or something. Yeah. Um so what is your view about people Like, how do you notice a change in how people who get into disability later, their experiences?
1: Oh, my God, yes. And I'll say this, and that's why for me, integration is very important. And I keep saying the reason why I feel that way is because you learn so much when you're together, like in school, you learn so much about each other. It's not always about the person without disability helping the person with disability. It's also the person without disability learning about the person with disability. So even if you became a manager or became a HR person and you see a person with disability, it's not a surprise to you because you grew up around that, you get. So it's also where disability has been made to be like, it's a bad thing. It's the end of the world. It's the saddest thing you get. So someone who hasn't had a disability ends up even just hurting their leg and they have to be in a a cast for like three months. It's like the world is going to end. They realize like, I can't do this. I can't do this. You get. Because it has been put in our minds, like it's such a hard thing, it's such a bad thing. Like, even when people see me, the first thing they want to do is just help me. They always assume I'm struggling. And I always tell them, I'm not struggling because this is my life. It's just that I'm doing it different from how you normally do it. So to you, it looks like it's very hard. I'm just like, but I've been doing it all my life, you get. I'm just like, it's the same way you. Would walk from here to a certain place. You've done it so many times, so you know how it works. It's the same with me. So, if we were in, inter- if there was integration, I feel like people who ended up getting into maybe an accident or something like that, it won't be too hard because you just feel like now the world is
0: done. Like, you know, yeah. And let's look at accessibility from a historical point of view. Yeah. Do you feel that? Kenya has become more accessible slightly um have there been improvements I, have, I think when you leave the the Kenya <laughs>
1: is how you notice like we're still way behind I think it's just I don't know how to put it I I don't know if it's people don't care or is it that the architects haven't I don't know like I think everyone should somehow, somewhere, especially architects and such people, like travel and see how, like I don't get why a building has two doors, accessible entrances and both have stairs. I'm like, I don't get it. You put a ramp on one side and stairs on one side. Like something like a lift. It's the floor. It's the, the slippery floor. I go to the bank. The seats are so low the floor is so slippery, I'm like, even the own bank, like places that, even a hospital, like I'll literally stand because for me, the seats are too low and then the floor is so slippery. You get, I'm like, why, why do you have to? Like, I don't get the slippery floors. I don't, I just, there's so many things I keep asking myself like, but why? So also me speaking out is very important because me always ask, do you have a suggestion box? Because your are a bit too... <laughs> and I put it in a soft, you know, in a soft voice. It's equality, you know. I'm being rough and stuff like that. But I feel like, yes, we've improved. But at the same time, I don't know. I just feel like we're in the same place. Because even using a bus, I have to be carried onto a bus. Still. Like, you go to a toil- it's toilet, it's Like, And I think I'm, I'm a bit... Um, better off because I'm in crutches, but someone when when you when you learn about disability, space is such an important thing. You get, so you'll find like there's no special toilet. So a person with in a wheelchair, what will they do? You get at least I am able to at least sort of maneuver. You get so if there are stairs, I always. If the, the, the railing is on the left side, then I'll be able to go up. Again, I could get someone to carry me. I, I hate being carried, but I could get someone to do that. But then you're imagining now someone in a wheelchair. There's the wheelchair itself, then there's the person itself. And then it also, it, it actually reminds you of, of your disability. I remember in school we used to use the bus. I used to hate every day. I'm just standing there at the stage and I'm thinking, God, again, I have to be carried up this bus. You get, every time I would think about it, especially a new term, because that now they are new kids. Now they have to get used to me again. So it's there at the back of my mind. So I'm like, why can't they just put these buses in a, certain, in a way that I can access? So I feel like we still have a long, long, long way to go. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um,
0: and let's uh conclude by talking about polio. Yes. Um, what are some common misconceptions? Um about polio mm-hmm. I think
1: it's like when like if if it was to have kids probably they would have it. But then I'm like no, it's just a disability. <laughs> like it's not it's it's not inherited in any in any way.
0: Yeah, so your kids wouldn't have it. No, yeah, it just means it, I just didn't get
1: the vaccine exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Something like it was a curse like my Somali side of the family is where um, like if you ask they'll be like N- you know that african thing they say uliangaliwa na macho macho but, Maya. Yeah. Yes. You were
0: looked at with an evil eye. Evil eye. Yes.
1: <laughs> and I'm like, no, I just didn't get the vaccine. You get so, I think it's also where, like, every time, I think there was this thing about, was it a church, Catholic something, that was happening about polio vaccine, it's doing things and stuff, and it's so funny, one time I was in the cab, and this, for some weird reason, this driver was just talking about it, I don't know if it was on the radio or something, that's why he picked the conversation, and it's like, I, this, this vaccine, you know, for we are being forced. They come to the home, they tell our kids to take this polio vaccine. He really ranted about it, you know. And I was trying to understand why he wouldn't. So I asked him, So your kids, you would not he's like, No, I would not. Like he was very adamant, you know, it will do this to them, it will do this to them. So la- after a while I was like, You know, I had polio. I'm telling you he was in shock. Of course. You get. And I'm like, I had polio and my life is not easy. You might see me, you know, like this, but it's not easy. I'm telling you, by the time that trip was over, it's like, eh, 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 I have changed, <laughs> you yeah. know, my mind. So I think it's where people, you hear things, maybe in the village, at home, you know, all these things, but just do your research. Because at the end of it, I'm like, would you, would you rather you end up having a kid with disability while well, you could have avoided it, you know, and it's not even having a kid with disabilities, it's more of like putting your kid through that. And people forget polio, like when you get polio, it can affect anything, anywhere. Like it could be multiple, it could be your legs, your hands, any your face. face, your face. Like it's a lot of things you get. So it's not just about the legs you get. So,
0: and the vaccine is only administered to children, yes. Okay. Yeah, I don't think by now, Mm -mm.
1: I think it is for kids. But it's so weird because I had, where was this? I met a white guy who had come to, he had come, uh, you know, there was some coming to Africa for holiday or whatever. So he came to, I can't remember what part of Africa, and he had been warned about, like, go get a polio vaccine. He never did. He came and he got it, and he was like 21 I was like, oh, I was like, those mm. must be the rare okay. the rare cases. And so it's a virus,
0: right? So it's yes, spread through it's like spread. the air. Like a, it could be a sneeze. Okay. It is spread. I think the, that's why we are normally
1: told, oh, there's an epidemic. Like so many people are getting it. So yeah. that's why you should. But at the moment, it's at a very low percentage. Because um, we have the Rotary Club, the one at uh, Parklands. The, their mission is to fight Polio and because I met them and had become their do they call it ambassador or something for a while? So it was learning about polio because that is their mission, like to stop polio. And it's really gone down, like, polio is at a very low, low percentage now, actually, in the world.
0: Okay, yes. And are you involved in any advocacy campaigns at the moment? Or at the moment, no, I think I'm just trying to
1: figure my life. I okay. don't know if that makes it. Yeah. I think after Rona, a lot of things came into perspective mm-hmm. and I just realized like, I think I need to focus on myself for a minute. And, and that's know, okay. That makes, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So that's where I am at, at the moment is, because I know at some point I really, like one of the dreams that I have, it's sports. I just, I just feel like I would love to have like a sports academy for kids with disability.
0: Yes. I hope that comes to pass. Yeah, it has to.
1: <laughs> God, it has to. Yes. Yeah,
0: Thank so. you so much for coming on to this episode. I have really enjoyed myself. And I think one thing that is has come that I realize about you and I've remembered as well is you're always so graceful and i like that you're happy yeah. that it's not this the common stereotype that someone with a disability is like sad and angry and that this podcast even has to be about a sad story because you've yeah. owned your story you're so happy you're so radiant so yeah. thank you so much
1: actually every time like if someone asks me i realize people when people see disability they want sad i always tell them but they i i really do not have a sad story <laughs> As a person with disability, I do not have a sad, sad story. No. Yeah,
0: yeah. I hope um, other people just get inspired and take that lesson from you. Uh, this has been the Unseen Life Experience podcast. This is currently the fifth episode. Please go listen or watch the other episodes. We have some amazing individuals and some amazing personal narratives. Also, please subscribe, follow this episode and continue. Consider rating it wherever you listen to the podcast. See you on the next episode. Bye. Disclaimer. The content provided in this episode of the Unseen Life Experience podcast is for informational purposes only. The views and opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of the podcast, its host, or any affiliated parties.